What I know is that I was put here to connect and celebrate women and maybe all people, but really like with that focus on women. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity in our communities. I'm John Zimmerman, founder of the Active Towns Initiative and your grateful host and tour guide on this auditory journey exploring healthier, more equitable communities for everyone. As always, it's so wonderful to have you along for the ride. The date today is Friday, June 26, 2020. And boy, do I have a very special episode for you all today. But before we toe up to that starting line, I just want to let you know that this episode is being brought to you by the generous support of our monthly Patreon contributors and donors. So for those of you out there who have donated, thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. And without your support, this podcast simply could not happen. For those of you out there in a position to help out, please consider doing so. I'll provide all the appropriate links in the show notes, or you can just go to our donor page on our website at activetowns.org. In this episode, I'm so very honored to share with you a moving conversation with Nicole DeBoom. She's a former professional triathlete, Ironman triathlon champion, entrepreneur, advocate for the empowerment of women, and a terrific podcast host. We cover a lot of ground, so let's just dive in. Nicole DeBoom from Boulder, Colorado. Nicole, how are you? I'm doing really well, John. You know, I was thinking about when we first met and it was so many years ago. We share so much history. We've done some projects together already, so I'm really excited to reconnect. Yeah, and I had the opportunity, the honor to to be part of the infrastructure of some of the races before. So before we actually formally met, I was like one of the race directors for the Boulder Peak Triathlon. And so I was back, you know, behind the scenes with Paul Carlson back in those days, uh, helping produce the race. And at the time, you were a very competitive professional triathlete doing your thing. And it was super fun. But then we would brush shoulders in Hawaii because I lived in Kona after I moved from Boulder. And so I'd uh, bump into you and Tim out there uh, when you were doing various activities. And now here I am in Austin, you're still in, in Boulder. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about with you today is the fact that this is a momentous time in the sense that uh, skirt sports is at an inflection point. There's, there's something that, you know, has happened. And, but I want to start at the beginning. I want to start at the origin story and that, that kernel, that seed that sort of stuck in your mind. And it was, it was, what year was that? That was like 2003. Yes. So wait, you don't want to just talk about our finish line here. We want to go, we're going to go back to before the starting line. We got to get to the starting line before we can get to the finish line. It's true. I mean, okay. So we're going back in time. So first of all, Boulder Peak was like my Kona. I won that race four years in a row. So boom, I'm just putting it out there. I'm reliving the glory days here. And it was when I was still in my prime as a pro triathlete that I came up with the idea for skirt sports. So 
back in the early 2000s, the late 90s, when I was racing professionally, we women did not have a lot of options that actually helped us, I don't know, let our personalities shine. Basically, you could either wear very high performance clothing that you really couldn't tell if you were a female or a male out there racing. And, you know, at that time, it was important for me to let my femininity out a little bit in sport. Now, over time, that's even shifting in our culture. You know, I mean, people are expressing themselves in so many different ways. But back then, I really felt that when I looked good, I felt better. When I felt better, I performed my best. And looking good was about having some style and some flash and some flair. So I one day was out actually on a training run in Lyons, Colorado, where I lived at the time. It's this little town just about 10 miles north of Boulder, and it was the dead of winter. It was sort of a dreary day, the kind of day when you're not super motivated in the off season to like get out and put in, you know, a 45-minute run. But I threw on my men's extra small black poor-fitting fitness clothing and, you know, ran out the door. And I'm just sort of plodding along. And as I, I ran down Main Street, and in, on the Main Street in Lyons, there was this soda fountain with those big picture windows. And I happened to kind of glance over at the window. And I saw my full reflection in the window. And the first thing that came to my mind was, sometimes I'm like embarrassed to say this now, because I'm just not sure that today it matters as much, but it really mattered back then. I thought, I look like a boy and I am so tired of it. I just want to feel pretty. And the word pretty, just like, it just really stuck in my head. And as I ran, I was like, you know, I've got this beanie on that makes my head look like a peanut. I'm wearing men's clothing. It doesn't, not only does it not look good, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't fit my body. I'm a woman. It was clearly made for men. It's men's. And the word pretty just got more important And I ran home that day and I started scribbling. I actually cut my run short that day. That's probably a sign that my life was going to change. My passion was going to change. But I wrote the word pretty on a piece of paper and I started writing notes about how I wanted to create a line of women's fitness clothing that you looked and felt good wearing. And boom, that was really the beginning. I became, I would say, obsessed by this idea afterward. That sounds great. And, and what, what's interesting is then it manifested to a finish line of Ironman Wisconsin. It did. So I'm thinking about this new idea, right? And I'm starting to feel this energy that I hadn't felt in forever. I mean, I'd never felt it before. I was just being fueled by something other than getting my training done in a day. And I was like, maybe I really can change the world. Maybe I can help women find more confidence because that's really what it was about, was finding more confidence when you're out there. You're not tugging on your clothing. You're not, I don't know, you're, you're focused on what, what you're doing because what you're wearing is helping you, not hurting you to get there. So I'm, I'm working on this idea and it turns into one thing, you know, at first it was this whole line of clothing. And I remember I went to Tim and told him, and actually I said, Tim, I think I want to start a women's clothing company. And he said, huh, well, that's interesting. How are you going to do that? <laughs> and I said, well, 
you're wearing clothing and I'm wearing clothing. And I see a lot of other people out there wearing fitness clothing. And so people have figured this out. So I am just going to figure it out just like a race, one mile at a time. And he he said, well, a whole line of clothing does still seem maybe intimidating. Why don't you focus it on one thing? You know, every great designer started with one thing. With Ralph Lauren, it was like the skinny tie or something. You know, it was like one thing. So I pointed to the one thing in my little sketch of clothing, and it was a skirt for running. No one had ever done it before. And I was really looking a lot at the Williams sisters for inspiration because they were so confident and strong and beautiful and they wore the coolest, craziest stuff and it gave them confidence. So I thought maybe I could adapt that kind of style for running. And so over the next nine months from when I had that idea in December of 2003, I worked on it and I didn't quit my day job. As a pro triathlete, I towed the line at Ironman Wisconsin 2004 with a little race belt skirt uh, tucked away in my uh, run bike to run transition bag. So I knew that if I needed that secret weapon out there on the course that day, I would I would have it. And you needed it. It gave you it gave you inspiration. It gave you power. It really did. It was, it was so incredible. You know, I was, I'd never won an Ironman and I knew that if I had a great day, I had a chance to win an Ironman and I had a chance to take this idea that was bringing me joy just in concepting it and, and to test it on the hardest course. And if I actually won an Ironman wearing that product, I mean, gosh, you can't write a script better than that. And sure enough, I came off the bike in third place that day and I put that little skirt on and I started running the two loops of um, the course in in Madison, Wisconsin, around campus and up and down hills. And I just got stronger throughout the day. And by the by the last 10K, I had passed the athlete who was in the lead at that time was Andrea Fisher, who's down in your neck of the woods. And um, she's strong. You know, and there were women coming up on me, but that skirt, every time I went by people, they would go, oh my gosh, here comes the skirt. The skirt is winning. It was like an identity transformation on the course all at once. Boom, life change. And I did win the race, by the way. And it was a day that I'll never forget and you can't take away. Yeah. And what a, what a beautiful location and finish line to finish at. I mean, Kona is amazing. Obviously there's nothing that surpasses the finish line at Kona, but that finish line there in Madison with the backdrop of the Capitol. Amazing. It was, it was incredible. I remember running up, I was like very tired, of course, in the end, it was an Ironman. And I actually saw someone I knew a couple blocks from the finish. And I was so excited. I was almost hyperventilating. I was so excited. Instead of going to the finish, I ran right up to this guy and I just like almost stopped. And I go, I'm winning. I'm winning. It was like disbelief. And he was like, I know. Now get in there. Finish. You know, it was just one of those moments of pure joy and like, you know, you just almost are watching yourself outside your body do this thing that you always dreamed you might be able to do and you're actually doing it and you're doing it in style. (laughs) You're doing it in style. And then that manifests into a company, a company that starts to inspire. It fills a need, obviously. It fills this 
giant gap that existed, as you mentioned, in activewear. And then it starts to it starts to become something else. I mean, it starts to empower women to feel more confident about their bodies, about themselves, and to get out there. So talk about that sort of evolution of being more than just an active wear company. Well, I think the big thing is that you think you're going to be one thing and you're never just that thing. You're always more or different than you think you're going to be. And I learned a lot of lessons in the first few years. And the first lesson was not to try to identify or define who my target market might be. They were going to show themselves to me. And so it's funny because when I first made the products, they were they're short little running skirts that like the first batch, literally they had little what we call spankies. They're like little running panties built in. And they were cut a little too small. So we were calling, we were saying, instead of the marathon girl, which was the name of the skirt, we were like, oh yeah, that was the marathon girl. <laughs> she, she was riding right up. I mean, we had all kinds of issues in the beginning. And women, they, they were so willing to forgive our issues because they could see that what we were really trying to do was empower women and liberate women who didn't have other options or had options that weren't as welcoming to them to get out and move their bodies. So they gave me a lot of leeway. And so what I realized really early was that I needed to listen to them and put aside what I thought might be the right direction and just listen to what they actually wanted. And what they told me was, we want more. We want bigger sizes. Why are you stopping at large or extra large? Like make bigger sizes. I don't want to wear my husband's old gym shorts. Like make something. I You're the only woman who's making something that might actually motivate me to get out the door. I thought I'm never going to make black clothing. I was so tired of black. And then they're like, can you please make some black skirts? <laughs> I promise you they're still feminine. <laughs> they're still... So I was like, oh yeah, that might be actually a really smart business decision. And uh, now I know black does probably 50% of your business in a year. So glad I made it. And they just, they encouraged me, you know, make tops, make bras, the girls, you know, the girls need some support too. And they just, I really have appreciated that women have not been afraid to share what they want with me. And I think if I had shut them out from the beginning, it would be a very different story. Skirt might have had our finish line after five years, but I've always been open and I've always been willing to try new things. And a lot of times it didn't work, but at the end of the day, you know, that if you don't try anything new, you're never going to get anywhere. Right, right. And one of the things that I have always loved about the, the clothing line and the company is that it's so inclusive. I mean, when you take a look at your website and you look at that, it's all shapes and sizes. It's everyone. And, and that just really resonates well with me and I think the, the listeners of this particular uh, podcast, because it's not about... It's not about encouraging athletes or competitiveness. It's about trying to live a healthy, active lifestyle, trying to lead a healthy, active lifestyle. And that doesn't always look like, you know, what we see on TV from, you know, from the actors and actresses and the, the you know, no 
no, no offense intended, the professional triathletes or professional athletes. You know, it's a really good point. It's been an evolution. I'm so proud of our industry. Most brands have finally seen the light and come on board and have brought athletes who wouldn't be considered your traditional sponsored athlete into their fold to spread the message of inclusive fitness. But we've always been innovators and we've always pushed the line. And it we did this early. I mean, in 2000, maybe eight or nine, we sent out a, a mailer to 10,000 homes in Colorado. And on the back of it, it said, all sizes welcome. And it had a woman from extra small to XXL. This was before the plus size market really had defined itself. And there's a whole, a whole nother discussion on, you know, the plus market and how, how the sizing works and all that. But, and it was controversial for us to even put out, but we put it out. We weren't sure how it would be responded to. And we got more, nobody cared about what was inside the 10 pages of the flyer we sent out, they only responded to the back image. And we realized, wow, we need to do more of this. And so we've spent our time and energy over 15 years, just continuing to celebrate the women within our fold of all shapes, sizes, of all body types, of all skin colors, of all ages. I mean, there's a lot of discrimination out there in fitness, even in the way brands represent athletes. So we're trying to knock that down. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the things, a lot of the themes that we talk about here at the Active Towns podcast is about creating an environment that is safe and inviting and welcoming for all ages and abilities, everyone. And that's part of that empowerment and part of the inclusiveness that, that I see as themes there. Okay. So it's a hard business. It's a tough, tough business to be in. You guys were innovators. You, you, I want to say that you were part of the movement that really changed what this industry looks like and you've changed it for the better. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a tough business to exist in. Where are we at now? Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is a hard thing to talk about because, you know, here I I birth a baby, a non-baby baby, baby. (laughs) and then I nurture her and we grow and then we go up and down and we're, you know, it's a roller coaster. I mean, we grow and then we hit a, you know, a roadblock and then we figure out how to go around it. Each time you hit a big roadblock, it takes a couple of years to come out the other side. I mean, this isn't like in our industry, it doesn't change in a month. And we, we are at a point where we are reaching our final finish line. That's how we phrased it. We've been 15 years doing this. And I actually never thought I'd be doing it more than 10 years. In fact, I was 32 when I started it. In my mind, I was like, well, when I'm 40, I'll probably be doing something different. Well, I'm 48, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm a testament to the entrepreneur who has had to self-learn and roll with the changes. You know what we've been through? We've been through what we call the retail apocalypse. This is where mom and pop shops hit the wall and had to survive or die. Many of them died. And we were selling to many of those and our business had to change them. We've been through the event apocalypse. Remember when the themed events 
came and changed that whole world. And then, I mean, we've been, we've been through, gosh, last year, we've really had a huge hurdle. In fact, we had a hurdle last year in year 14 that almost, almost crushed us. And it actually had to do with the Amazon apocalypse. (laughs) So there's a lot of apocalypses out there. And we somehow slid through that. We got through last year. We've been there before. We came into this year and I said, well, guess what? Last year sucked. I'm so glad to see the light of 2020. (laughs) Right. And I said, this is going to have to be a recovery year. We are going to have to have really strong sales and get our feet back under us. And within a month, we got hit by pandemic, a global pandemic, and our sales were dramatically down. And all of a sudden, the runway was really short. I mean, it, there's nothing we could have truly done. You can't force people to buy your stuff at full price and help you get through things in tough times when they're losing their jobs. And so we just had to face the music and I had to, I had to be put on my big girl skirt and make some tough decisions. And I said, well, we are going to have to close our operations unless we can find a buyer or another brand or an individual who has a different level of resources, who can, who, who sees the power of what we've created in this world and wants to take it forward. And so that's where we are. We are, we framed it as a finish line sale. And I really love the analogy because it's a celebration at the end of the day, as long as we can get through this successfully, which we are, people are snatching up skirt sports right and left. And if anybody listening has been waiting, there's no more time to wait, get on the site and buy it. Now we still have sizes on a lot of stuff. But it's, you know, when the finish line comes, we may have a a baton handoff, which would be amazing. And I'll be honest, I'm talking to some parties I'm very excited about. But I also know that anything can happen even in the last 10 meters of a race. And I'm going to just keep aiming towards the finish line, knowing that after I cross it, for everybody involved, there will be another starting line someday. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and obviously we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed uh, for the, the, the brand and the intellectual property that you have of, and the, the wonderful designs that you have that uh, uh, another brand does step in and, and uh, you know, recognizes that value and, and helps move that forward. It's, it's one of those things that I think it's going to live on. It has to live on because it, there's so much positive inspiration and empowerment that was built into that. And I think that that really uh, manifested also in your nonprofit that you started. So you started Running Start as a nonprofit. And I'm going to read your mission because I think it's important to get this out there. It's to provide women with barriers to fitness, the confidence, courage, and community support they need to change their lives through running. And it's just, that's so beautiful. I mean, I, I, I remember when you first shared with me several years ago that you were getting this started and I was just like, yes, 
I was like, Nicole, I, I anointed you right on the spot. You are an activity ambassador. I mean, other than your brand and your business, I mean, you, you have that in your DNA that you love inspiring people to live their best lives. Talk a little bit more about Running Start. It is truly an extension of what I, what came before it, you know, minus the barriers to fitness part. I mean, hearing our mission statement just warms my heart. So thank you for reading that. Um, you know, Skirt Sports is just about empowering women while Running Start takes it to the next level. And what what I decided that I wanted to do, I always, I've always been a very philanthropic person. Like I've always just wanted to give back and tried to give back in different ways. And I finally found that this was the perfect way. It was very aligned with who I was and what I'd already built. And then I had some resources to put into it. So there's many, many women out there who are struggling with all kinds of life issues. And most of the time we can't see them. Their mental health issues, their abuse, their past trauma, many, many different things. And they know that they're stuck in their lives and they want something to help them get out. And for some of those women, this program speaks to them. They say, I need a life change. I've always thought about running or I've never thought about running, but something about this post or this ad or this referral, uh, you know, that a friend told me about it is really resonating with me in the moment. So I'm going to hit send on this application. And the moment a woman hits send on an application is like the scariest moment because they know if they're accepted, they have to do it, <laughs> you know? So running start right now is a seasonal and regional program. What's really cool, I'll tell you about the program really quick. We take uh, a group of women who we approve, who really do have, you know, life issues that they need help getting through. And we pair them with what we call a personal motivator. And this is the key person in the process. It's like the accountability partner, the hand holder. You know, someone's going to call you every week and say, how'd your workouts go? you know, and they're going to help you get through it. And then we give them training plans and all the resources you need to get running. And then they all finish with a group 5k. And this year it is the weekend of July 19th. So here's what happened this year. It's all virtual. <laughs> I mean, in the past we would sit down in these big groups and we would share and you know, the emotion of the moment would come and people would just like let it out and then they'd be ready to tackle this thing and then they could meet with people and it's had to be very self-motivated. But the really cool thing is that they're still engaged. We're seeing less drop-off than we did when it was an in-person kind of, you know, field program right now. And maybe because people are more able to form the training around their lives instead of having to meet people or whatever. Um, and the other thing that's happened is that the race, of course, will be virtual. But it's also opening our eyes to the fact that Running Start could potentially be a nationwide or even you know, global program down the road. If we're able to have a successful virtual program, why can't we do this in other communities without us actually having to be there? So from all crazy things like a pandemic come potential opportunities to help women change their lives, which you know makes the world a better place. Absolutely, absolutely. 
how about a couple success stories? Can do any bubble up that just you know are, are indicative of this project of this initiative? Oh yeah, I mean many. Uh, there's two that are just you know just crazy stories. So there's a woman named Kara Burns. If you don't know her, you need to follow her. She came to us after being released from pr- uh, federal prison on drug dealing charges, and she was a meth addict, and she was she knew through her recovery that she needed to make new connections in her life. And she was referred to our program through another great program called Dress for Success. She showed up in jeans, you know, kind of not feeling like a runner, sitting on the outskirts of the very first program. But then as people went around and shared why they were there, she realized she she was about the last person to speak. And she said, you know, I got here and I thought, oh my gosh, I just really want to bolt for the door, but I can't because I'm in the middle of a group of people. So I'm going to wait for everyone to talk and then I'm going to leave. And instead, as I heard you talk, instead of thinking these are not my people, I realized a few minutes ago that you are my people and I can't wait to do this with you. And in that very first season of training, she surpassed <laughs> She was so into it that she didn't do the 5K at the goal race. She did the half marathon. She went on to run a marathon. She went on to join our board of directors. She is now a public speaker. She is a woman who is helping advocate for other women who've gone through hardship. And running has been a huge part of that recovery for her. Just so cool, huh? That's that's awesome. What a, What an amazing story. But what about pace? What if somebody feels like that word running is too intimidating? How do you handle that situation for somebody who is inspired? They want to, they want to participate, but they, they don't have that confidence that they're a runner in quotes. You know, that's a really good point. So we actually include walking and running. I need to do a better job of reframing how I say it. Because I call it running, but in my mind, I know that it includes any pace where one foot goes in front of the other. And sometimes we say faster than walking, which could just mean fast walking, right? (laughs) But thank you so much for helping me clarify that because, you know, we get caught in our own worlds as uh, former pro athletes and the language we use doesn't always resonate. After this very short intermission, Nicole tells us about her wonderful podcast, Run This World, which by the way, is up to 172 episodes now. We also talk about embracing a sense of adventure and exploration for herself and her family, and what lies ahead for her and her amazing husband, two-time Ironman World Champion and Ironman Hall of Fame member, and homeschool teacher extraordinaire, Tim DeBoom. But before we get to that, just a quick reminder. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to and rate the Active Towns podcast on the listening platform of your choice. And if you're enjoying the podcast and this episode in particular, please do share it with a friend, a colleague, or a family member. I am sincerely grateful that the audience and movement continues to grow worldwide. Thank you so much. Okay, that's all for this very brief break. Let's get back to our conversation with the amazing activity ambassador, Nicole DeBoom. A a few years ago, you were striving to find your voice and you started a podcast, Run This World podcast. 
Talk a little bit about that baby that you started. Yeah, I'm really good at starting things, huh? <laughs> I'll tell you this is a side note. I realized the other day that right now I'm learning how to end something. And that is not something I know how to do well and I'm not super comfortable with. And it's awkward and it's painful. And so having other things in my life that are staying consistent is really helping me right now. Um, when I started Run This World, I actually wanted to call it Women Run the World. And then I was like advised, well, that might turn off men from wanting to listen. And, you know, you kind of do want to be inclusive, <laughs> include everybody. I said, yeah, you're right. So it's kind of like the idea for me originally was I'm often asked to speak on podcasts or stages or at events or whatever. And I love it. It's actually something that, you know, I want to do more of, but I really wanted the opportunity to turn the microphone around and to listen to other people who would inspire me because I really need the inspiration too. And I thought, you know, I'm really good at talking to people. <laughs> I like to talk I'm very social, I'm good conversationalist. So um, why don't I just have some conversations with people who have made positive change in the world and just see how it goes. That's what I started with. And uh, I remember my very first interview, it was number two, I put her as number two, was with a friend called Carrie, uh, Carrie Gilmartin. She's the founder of Bamboobies. And we did four or five tests. We could not get the freaking recording to work. And she was awesome. We finally nailed it, put her in. I had Catherine Switzer on at the beginning and Molly Barker from Girls, um, Girls on the Run. And just these icons were willing to talk to me. And I realized people are willing to talk to me. So I'm going to keep, keep reaching out. Um, and the podcast just went. It just took off. I mean, I've been, I'm at episode 171. I have been doing this over three years. I've learned so much. And one thing I'm really glad I did is that the very first episode, I asked the guest to give me her final nugget, her one valuable piece of information that would help people run their worlds in a bigger and better way. And so I have 171 nuggets. If anything, you go on my podcast, fast forward to the last 10 minutes, get the nugget, write it down and move on. If there's one thing you need to do is get nuggets from these incredible people. So I just love doing it. I have no plans to stop. Sometimes I slow down. Like right now, there's a lot of um, racial unrest and, and we have a lot of work to do in, in this world right now. And it just, I'm having trouble, um, you know, figuring out what direction to go or who to talk to in the podcast. And so sometimes it slows down a little, but variably within two weeks, you'll see another one come up. <laughs> and, and, and I think our listeners can kind of get a sense as to what your style is, is sort of like, I find the episodes personally, very inspirational. They're often funny, but they're always real. And that's what I love about it is it's just, it's so sincere and real, uh, both you as a host and, and your, and that translates to your guests too. Well, right back at you. I know. Well, I love the, the last episode I listened to of yours was my friend, Holly Bennett. She's awesome. And I think, you know, the big thing is 
sometimes you're going to have guests who are nervous and you have to kind of pull their story out. And sometimes you have people who are just willing to share the tough stuff. And that's how we learn and grow when we're willing to share the tough stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I will say, I remember the first time I cried in an episode and then a friend of mine called me and was like, I was just crying because you were crying. And then I realized, oh my gosh, like there, when you just let yourself be who you are, like hopefully we're not going to cry today, but we might, um, we still have a little time left, don't we, John? <laughs> but, um, you know, when, when the interviewer, when you can let yourself really fully engage, which I'll be honest, is a hard thing to do because you have your topics you want to cover. And you think you you have these questions you think you need to hit on, but sometimes the interview just goes a different direction and you got to go with it. And like what happened just now, you'll forget the question that just popped into your head, but you were tackling something more important. So it's okay. And you know what? With podcasts, people know we're human. We're not... We're NBC is not editing our podcast for us. Okay. Like my husband, Tim DeBoom is like clipping files together and, you know, we're just, we're doing the best we can here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good to hear that you're putting him to work. That's the, that's fantastic. Yeah. When we have signature events, like say the Boulder Boulder there in the city of Boulder or Ironman in, in Kona, these events are inspirational events. I mean, they, they, you see all these people out there, you have thousands of volunteers that are helping out, you have thousands of spectators that are lining the streets. And if somebody can identify with someone who's participating in those events, and they're like, that person is me, that person looks like me, then there's that, 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 that kernel, there's that seed that starts to plant that, oh, maybe, maybe that could be me. And so that inspiration, uh, we just lost uh, from, from the Ironman fame, uh, Bill Bell, who at, at one point in time was the, the oldest finisher of an Ironman distance triathlon. And, you know, folks would see him out there competing, participating in these events and be like, that person is my grandfather or that person is my great grandfather's age and he's participating in this. Uh, Sister Madonna Booter, another example on the female side of somebody who's participating well into her 70s. So those and, and, and other examples over and over and over again. So it breaks down those barriers, getting back to what you were talking about earlier in part of the mission, it breaks down those barriers that are out there and says, hey, this is open. This is inclusive. We, it, we, we want to inspire people to, quote unquote, get off the couch and try that first 5K. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a really good theory. You're right. And when people can actually see others who look like them doing a sport that they didn't think they could do, it's very empowering We have um, this incredible brand ambassador. Her name is Jill Angie. She'd be great for your podcast, by the way. She actually has a community called Not Your Average Runner. And she is a plus size athlete who found running and it changed her life. And now she's a coach and she's a life coach and a running coach and she's written books. She came to our ambassador retreat last year and she did a talk on visibility. And she said... 
I saw Myrna Valerio on a surfboard. I didn't know fat girls could surf. Now I do. And that's, you know, her words and her definition. And she said, I needed to see that. I saw Myrna Valerio rock climbing. I didn't know I could do that either, but now I do, you know? And so it's this idea of we can't be afraid to let other people see us. The, you know, when we hide ourselves, we don't help anyone. So I loved that message. It really stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the things I, I echo frequently, and that's this concept of conspicuous activity, of getting out there and leading a healthy, active lifestyle and doing so joyfully. And it, because we are a herding species, we, we see what's going on around us. And if they see you know, John on his bike, making a run to, to the grocery store, uh, smiling ear to ear, dressed in normal clothing, it starts to normalize that activity, that activity of, you know, active mobility and active living. And when we can go out for our fitness walk or our, you know, our mental health uh, wellness walk or run or hike into the, into the hills, and we do so joyfully and and openly, I think it really helps inspire others to, to, to do so. And we need a little bit of inspiration. Yeah, we all need it. And I love, I love the work you're doing. You know, it's been really fun to watch you evolve into this world of what you called like urban development, you know, an active towns initiative. And it's about finding adventure in the towns where you live and learning how to really take advantage of what they offer outside, right? And a lot of people, like I remember, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago called Downers Grove. And right five minutes from my house is this like insane eight mile trail run at Argonne National Labs. And you'd see white deer and whatnot. I didn't know anything about it until I was in my 20s and I came back to visit. I never went there as a kid. It was right there. Like, I just, I don't know why our eyes weren't open to it. We weren't in that world, whatever. There's stuff like that, especially in the Midwest, there's forest preserves like every five blocks in every suburb, you know? There's trails you can hit on. If you like trails, you can find trails everywhere. You just don't know it, you know, until you actually open your eyes and look. So, I don't know. That was eye-opening to me. I mean, I live in Boulder, Colorado. It is literally the hub that other cities look to for how to make our town more accessible for outdoor enthusiasts. So, you know, I'm living the dream here and we have access to every mountain town within a couple hours, basically, that you could ask for. And so we're really in the Mecca, but it really, when I travel now, that's what I seek out is like those hidden gems that aren't really hidden. So speaking of adventure, that's exactly where I want to go, because you mentioned a word, you mentioned surfing, and uh, it, it's what, one of the things that I love about you, Nicole, is that you, A, have this sense of adventure, and B, you project it out there, and you do so so joyfully, and uh, so the mountain biking, and the stand-up paddleboarding, and the surfing, talk a little bit about that, how... I mean, because I know so many triathletes that are just like, that's all they did. That's all they'll do. They're so focused. It's so cool to explore, isn't it? 
Well, let me tell you, I like to try new things. It doesn't always work. I am the person at, I go to the same restaurant, but I will try something new on the menu almost every time. And Tim's always like, oh my God. And how many substitutions do you have to have? And I go, I, I know I like it how I like it. You know, um, so I like to try new things and I feel like becoming stale is a big fear for me in my life. You know, I like trying new things helps me grow and they're, they can be scary. So they kind of have to call to me physically and through sport. There's a few things going on. So I grew up swimming. I mean, I stared at that black line on the bottom of the pool from age six until my triathlon career ended in my early 30s. And that was a lot of time. And I honestly, I continued to swim a little bit until I was pregnant through my pregnancy. The day I gave birth, I swam. And then I really have never swum again. I just, it stopped calling to me. So I've become more attuned to what is calling to me, right? And the other thing that's going on is that through this racing career as an endurance athlete, my body has taken some hits. I mean, I've got some injuries. My lower back has some issues. I've got a bursa on my heel that will never not be inflamed and I don't want to have surgery. So I decided I was going to trade in my road running for trail running and hiking. Much more enjoyable. I'm not going to go run the flat roads anymore. I'm done with that. Doesn't call to me. I traded in my road bike, except for commuting. I love commuting. I have a very expensive commuter bike, which is like one of my old sponsor bikes that we just put like lights on. And anyway, it's all fun. I traded in my road bike for a mountain bike. I enjoy being off-road now. I traded in my swimming, my cap and goggles for stand-up paddleboard and a surfboard. I love those sports. And I picked up skiing, not downhill so much, but Nordic skiing, a little bit of downhill. I'm just trying things. I don't care how good I am at anything anymore. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I don't know if I've lost my competitive <laughs> drive in a sense in sport, but when a kernel is planted, so years ago, I met with my friend Colleen Cannon from Women's Quest, who is a legend in the sport of triathlon. Well, she stopped doing that decade before I did and started Women's Quest. I met with her. I had her on my podcast and she puts on this retreat in Costa Rica. It's a surf and yoga retreat. I was like, well, I don't really do yoga, but I want to learn how to surf. And I knew I was going to go do it. I just knew it would happen. And I wrote on a piece of paper that year, there were three goals I had, learn how to surf, have more day dates with Tim and turn off my computer an hour before I go to bed. The last two kind of happened. The first one, I made sure it happened, you know, and I, and it was scary when I was learning how to surf. I'm a former pro athlete. You think I'd be all confident walking out there. And there were a bunch of other women all the way up to age 60 who'd never been on a surfboard before all bodies, all levels of fitness. Every morning I had butterflies in my stomach. We all did. We walk out there and be like, oh my God, what's the day going to bring? I hope I get up. And invariably every day we all got up on our boards and we all had the best day ever, even if we wiped out a lot, you know, even if things were hard. So my lessons from all of this are when that kernel hits and you know you need to go after something, 
you you need to make sure you do it because those kernels, those little things that tug and pull at your heart, they don't go away easily. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that you said that got me thinking about uh, another, it's it's related to this sense of adventure, and that is this connection with nature. Because back when I was seriously training, I, I was like heads down, you know, in arrow position or thinking seriously yeah. about my runs and I, each run had a purpose. I didn't connect with nature. But now it brings me so much joy to get out on a trail and participate in ultra distance uh, trail runs now. But mm-hmm. most of that is 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 meditation and motion and being able to connect with nature. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I, I get a sense that that might be part of what's, what's happening here. Yes, for sure. Well, you know, it's funny. I've always appreciated nature. I always looked around. I remember doing this long ride from lions up to Estes park with Heather Fuhrer and rock fry back in the day, long ago. And I remember the whole way up, I was just like, wow, isn't this pretty? And they were like, you're really talking a lot. (laughs) They were at high altitude to them. So it's like really hard. But I just, that stuck with me for some reason, because I would often just wonder at the world around me, but I was doing it for a different purpose at that time. I was very laser focused on getting the training in. So appreciating nature versus really becoming one with nature is different. And I think until you take away the super uber competitive piece, it's really hard to do. But once you once you can just be out there, once you can look at some of your workouts as almost like meditations, I think that's when when you can really feel that deeper connection. Right, right. So talk a little bit about being a mom in this context and, and, and that, that whole connection, I know Wilder, I'm not sure. How old is she now? Uh, Wilder is eight. She's, uh, I said, so you're going to be, you're a third grader now. She goes, no, I'm a summer grader. (laughs) She's in the summertime. Um, she is pure kid and she is not pushed by us to be a hyper competitive athlete. Um, I've actually had quite a, I've been worried about that. You know, Tim and I have impressive athletic backgrounds. (laughs) I mean, Tim just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, right, for Ironman. And that is really, truly the first time that Wilder really uh, learned more about how special the things he did were. And I just never want her to feel the pressure to have to perform at a level like we did, because probably she's got some genetic talent for sports that we did or sports in general, but she's different than us too. I mean, she's a very creative girl and she really just likes playing with her friends. She has zero competitive drive. I'm not kidding. Like that drives us a little crazy. We're like, you know, you're in a running race. Can you just go hard? Cause she does like run club, but she would rather run last with her friend who's crying and help her get to the finish, then push herself. And so I think there's validity on both sides there, right? We're trying to teach her to love all and have compassion, but we're also trying to teach her how to push herself. So it's definitely a fine line. By this age, eight years old, Tim and I were competitive swimmers, swimming every day and going to swim meets on the weekends. And uh, Wilder is not, you know, she's 
think she's a great swimmer, but <laughs> she's not like, you know, crushing the laps or anything. You know, she's having fun in the pool. So at the end of the day, I have no idea where she's going to land athletically. I want to give her all the options. I want to I want to introduce her to every sport, especially the ones we didn't learn when we were kids, like skiing, like paddling. You know, I wanted she learned how to surf this year in Hawaii. I want to keep I want to I want to stoke that. I want to stoke that seed of adventure and hope that she carries that with her. Well, I think mission accomplished. I mean, that's that's exactly because because the two of you are now into this phase of life where you are doing that, you know, the exploration and you're doing the different types of adventure activities. I mean, she's absorbing a lot of that. If you were still serious, narrowly focused, you know, accomplished athletes focusing on triathlon or distance running or, or professional cycling or whatever the case may be, you know, oh, mom and dad are doing that. So, you know, I may or may not get head in that direction, but just the fact that you guys live a healthy, active lifestyle and make that a priority as a family to do those things. I mean, you can't help but think that, you know, she's going to to pick up on a lot of that and hopefully that spirit of, of adventure and not being afraid of trying something new. You know, I will say the minute I had her, my life changed beyond completely as an athlete before I had her, even when I was pregnant, even in the last week of pregnancy, I would still sometimes do two workouts a day. I was done racing for eight years, but I, in my mind, if you didn't work out more than once a day, you were a slacker. Like, yeah, at the end of a pregnancy, you're talking about a 15 minute walk and a 15 minute swim. But like the minute I had her, I've done two workouts a day, probably three times in eight years. You know, it just changed. I just, it wasn't a priority. So I make my time outside you know, I figure out what's the most important thing for me that day and I wrap it into my life. And I'll be honest, she's the most important thing. And what I love about that girl is she is just this little spark of brightness. She just has happy energy. People love being around her. And that makes me happy. I love being around her most of the time. <laughs> I'm so shocked. How, how on earth is she such a happy, wonderful... No, it's, I mean, seriously, it's, it's wonderful to see you and Tim, uh, you know, go through this process as parents and listening to your podcast, you share a lot of the information and the joys and the, and the trials uh, of that process. And uh, it, I chuckled when you said that she would, she would say, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a summer student now because they just, yeah, Tim just kind of finished up the homeschooling for the, the semester, right? He did. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. So, you know, Tim doesn't have a structured job and he hasn't for years and he's on his own path to finding his purpose, right? And it all, it takes all of us different, a different timeline. And um, so I had a lot to do this year. And so when Corona hit and I'm trying to grapple with my business situation, I needed to be 100% full time. I mean, literally, I was shipping in a warehouse for like 12 hours for multiple weeks in a row. I was exhausted. So Tim, by default, became our homeschool parent. And uh, there was one day when I did it 
And it was like, I was horrible. It was like 2.30, Tim came home from whatever he had to do that day. And we hadn't even had lunch yet. And uh, we were like, we had all I did with her from eight till 2.30 was like some reading and writing. Like it was, I don't know what happened. And so she graded us and she gave Tim an A plus, 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 plus. And then she gave me a D minus, minus, minus. I said, well, that's on the learning. How about on the fun? And then I got an A plus on the fun. Aww, so isn't that funny though? I mean, we have our things and it's really nice when your family pod or unit can really complement each other. Yeah, yeah. Tim's got the discipline. Let me tell you. That's, that's pretty, pretty impressive though, that, you know, with the discipline and with the structure that he's able to provide, he still gets such high marks. That's fantastic. And yeah, yeah. Uh, gosh, talk about brutal honesty. Oh, ouch, that hurt. <laughs> she was sucking up to the primary teacher. I see, I see. <laughs> yeah. She, she's a smart one, that one. Well, whoever <laughs> thought, you know, I mean, honestly, Tim and I, for years, we'd be like, hey, maybe sometime we should look at like traveling and doing stuff with her. And we're like, but how do we homeschool her during it? Well, guess what? Now we know. And it's not that intimidating. It's just like trying a new sport. You're scared to death. Well, get thrown into it. You're going to sink or swim. And most likely, most of us are going to get the job done. So, yeah, a little less intimidating these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned Tim's passions. I do follow Tim out on Instagram, and he does some amazing stuff, uh, and, and he puts amazing stuff out there. And, uh, and passions. So... The future. What will the future hold? Do we have any 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 grains or seeds of of thought that you'd like to to share at this time, or are we still sort of working on them? Yeah, we're working on it. What I know is that I was put here to connect and celebrate women, and maybe all people, but really like with that focus on women. And I I really some signs kind of showed themselves to me recently that make me think it might be the time in my life to actually do a business venture with Tim, you know, to make the next part of our career together or partially together to do project with him. And um, his passions lie in physical fitness. And he's really been studying longevity. You know, we're, we're hitting the 50s soon. <laughs> Tim's 50 this year. And, uh, you know, it starts to hit like we, we want to live longer and we want to live healthier longer. So we're exploring that area. We don't know what, what it really means. There's nothing concrete yet, but I do know that I will be doing work in the area of helping women. That's definitely not going to change. It's just that I won't be doing it under the skirt sports guys. Be something different. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I will I will put out an offer for both you and Tim. Um, my my background does include gerontology as as part of uh, in addition to exercise physiology. So a big part of my orientation has always been with that concept of longevity. And so when we look at you know creating healthy, active places for all ages and abilities. Uh, we really embrace that sort of tagline of all ages and abilities. And when we look at some of the data that are coming back from some of the countries like uh, in Denmark and in the Netherlands, 
it's so empowering to see people still riding their bikes into their 80s and 90s. And it's it's so empower, you know, so empowering and so powerful to observe. So as a resource, please let me know if I can help uh, in any way, shape or form and also keep me posted so that when something concrete is launched, I can help amplify that and get it out to out there to the Active Towns audience. Yeah, that is so cool. You know, the book I'm reading right now is The Blue Zones, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And uh, it's just really fascinating. Um, And I think, you know, having a purpose is really at the core of what keeps people going over all their many years. And it doesn't have to mean being the most successful person in the world. So that's what's really hitting me in the heart right now is, um, you know, that that term success there's a lot of different ways to define that. And uh, when you can really identify your purpose and then take action on it, I think that's where I'm going, in other words. And, and I hope that everybody listening, you know, can really think about that for themselves, too. Yeah, yeah. And that's such a wonderful resource there, The Blue Zones, which is a book by Dan Buettner. It's a fascinating book. He has several other books as follow-ups, and including his one of his most recent ones uh, focuses in on the diet. And it's actually a, uh, a book that dives into some, some menus and, and things of that nature. So it's really fantastic. So, Nicole, you like to end your uh, podcast with nuggets. And I like to end my podcast with advice. I think they're the same thing (laughs) in many ways now that I think about it. Um, And really, the context that I pitched this question is we've got listeners from all over the world who are tuning in, listening to our voices here. They're coming at it from many, many different angles. But ultimately, what Active Towns is all about is trying to inspire people to live healthy, active lifestyles and to create an environment in their communities that helps make that happen. Any advice that you would have for the listeners, either in transforming their own personal lives or in transforming their communities to help perpetuate a healthy, active lifestyle? Yes, absolutely. I think it's all about your mindset. I think it's about making the choice every day to have a positive mindset and that you can change the energy within yourself. And by nature of that, the energy of everybody who comes around you and touches your energy force field by doing something maybe just as simple as smiling, which actually creates those happy hormones in your body and turns things from potentially negative into that positive force field that we're looking for. And so at the end of the day, it's up to you, the impact you want to have in this world, and you can control that. And so if you're looking for that one tiny little act, that one small thing that you can do to act on this um, decision to have a positive mindset, then I guess at the end of the day, my final advice is to smile. Fantastic. And it's be the change. I mean, if that's that's what you're projecting out is be out there. I like to say be out there, be conspicuous in living that healthy, active lifestyle, smile, wave, engage, communicate, make those social connections. Yes, absolutely. It's contagious. Yes, it is contagious. And again, we are a herding species. So when we see other people out there enjoying it and enjoying our environment, it, it really helps reinforce that, oh yeah, that looks fun. Oh yeah, I know I need to lead a healthy, active lifestyle. Let's get out there. I love it. Yes, what a great conversation. Stuff. Thank you, John. 
Nicole, thank you so very much. You've been very, very generous with your time. And I know you're so incredibly busy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I can't wait to see you in person. I know me too. You are awesome at this. Keep this podcast going. You really, you are making positive change in the world. Thank you very much for saying so. And and I have to give you credit too, where credit is due, because when I interviewed you in your shop and we produced that fun little video a few years ago, uh, you had just started the podcast and you were so excited about the podcast. And that was like another little seed that was planted in my mind that someday I would do this. And to be honest, the reason why I launched this podcast was because COVID hit my normal travel of being able to hit the world and travel around to places including boulder to do my video and produce my films had to come to a stop so i needed to be able to find my voice and you were part of that inspiration thank you we're all connected i truly hope you found this episode with nicole an inspiring and entertaining experience I've had the honor and privilege of knowing many elite level endurance athletes over the years, and I can honestly say that Nicole and Tim are the consummate professionals, always incredibly kind, giving, and approachable. I look forward to learning more about what's up next for them. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Please take care of yourselves and one another. And until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. Cheers.